Wow, we got a lot going on. So I'm not sure how many we're baptizing today, but one of them is my granddaughter, so um, I'm going to keep her down extra long <laughs> and uh, see what she, how she handles that. She's a pretty good swimmer. I think she'll be all right. But anyway, and uh, it's actually a great event for any grandfather, grandparents to actually be able to be involved in anyway with that, you know, through the generations. So oddly enough, the title of this sermon is Back to Your Future. In a way, uh, we... As we invest in our kids, we go back to our future, right? We actually go to our kids who then move into the future for us, right? But uh, I just thought about that as I was looking at this title. But anyway, uh, so I'd like to talk about this subject. Um, as you look in your outline there, hopefully everybody has an outline. If you don't, you might want to wave. I think it might be helpful to follow along here. And uh, aren't you glad Chris came today? Isn't that awesome? Uh, said just wonderful worship. It's so weird because, uh, again, back in the future, I wasn't even thinking about this, but he was uh, one of our earliest worship leaders. We had a team, and uh, John mentioned something about the generations, and then we had a, uh, that generation, then we had the second generation, and then now a third generation of worship leaders and leaders and teams. So, so he's part of the first generation, which we had in the very beginning with Rick Camrath and all that. So I'm just glad to, when they come back, it's just so much fun, the anointing on them and everything. It's just very powerful. So, Lord, we just thank you. And even those songs that you sang that were so great. I mean, and I like that generational song so much. How about you guys? You like that? So, uh, also, I'd just like to recognize Sean Coles. Glad to see you. I don't see your lovely wife here with you, but glad you could make it. And uh, so, uh, Sean's fresh from the Texas Attorney General, General's Office, where he does war daily <laughs> for the nation. He's very, very high up there. I won't tell you how high up, but almost to the very top of that office. So... And we, in prayer, and even prophetically sent you from this place to do that. We didn't know how high you were going to go. We didn't know. We were just looking for judgeship. <laughs> but along the way, God's having him involved in the most important issues of our day. And uh, so nice to see you. We're always praying for you and lifting you up, and, uh, and, and uh, just especially in our business prayer meeting, but all, all the time. So we just want you guys to do well, and I know you're under a lot of warfare and pressure, so... May the Lord bless you today. Matter of fact, could you do this for me? Just sound, just because so a lot of people have prayed for you. So just stand up so people can see your face. All right, just, there he is. That's the one we're praying for. That's the one that got sent like an arrow to one of the most strategic political uh, places in America today uh, for, the, for fighting our, for our country and, and um, all that that implies. So. so if you look on your outline there, it says in number one, each of us has a destiny, something that God has uniquely designed for our future. Even we make mistakes, and <laughs> even we will make mistakes, you might as well say that, fail sometimes, or even when tragedy strikes along the way, God will bring us back to the great future He has in mind for us. In other words, God will not interrupt, let those plans be interrupted. The enemy may try to interrupt them, life may try to interrupt them, but God has a plan, a great future. And I, I love that. If you look at Jeremiah 29:11, point A there, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Now that was said in the context of Israel about uh, to be deported. Actually, the worst possible thing that could happen to a nation was just about to happen. So it was just a horrible uh, difficulty, right? And so God spoke to the prophet uh, Jeremiah in anticipation of a 70-year exile and disobe disobedience. And so... Uh, when, G when this scripture comes uh, out of the pages of scripture, 
He's not saying this in an ivory tower. He's saying this in the midst of the most grueling and horrible experiences. But with their exile, there was also hope. And even in our exile, our difficult situations, if you're one of God's kids, you always have hope. And not only hope, but assurance that as we step out in faith and we risk and we pray, God will restore you, I believe, uh, and, and help you. He's very much for you, not against you. I know that sounds so simple, but that's one of the major battles we fight, especially when there's trouble. Is God still with me? Does God love me anymore? You know, what about this and what about that as we look around? And I think there's a lot of whatabouts these days. <laughs> Anybody notice that? There's a few problems around. But God is so for His church, so for us all. We are more than we know. We are more than we know. We don't have to even express it politically. We are more than we know. We have these prayers that have this way of manipulating and changing our environment. And God has this way of putting these people in strategic positions like Sean and others. Like we see Esther and all these famous people in the scripture. It wasn't just for a nice fairy tale for us. It's very much being expressed now in our time and our day. It's always been that way, the body of Christ. But I don't know of a time really when we need to make sure that our future turns out right. Right. And the body of Christ has something very real and very big to say about that. Very big. Yeah, amen. All right, good. So as I was thinking about this, uh, going into exile, I was thinking about Esther today. And uh, you can find that in Esther 4. And it's interesting. Uh, so there was a plot afoot with the king, and, uh, about to, and Mordecai found out about it, which was her relative. Meanwhile, she had been put into the harem of the king and had not yet seen him before. And so uh, there was a great strict protocol. And some of you know the story. Most of you probably know the story. And, uh, and so she didn't want to go in before the king before he called her because if she did, she might end up dead. But it turns out that there was such a horrible thing about to happen. It was so important because there was a conspiracy against her own people. And the only way out was going to be that she would actually get an audience with the king and tell him about it. And so these words come forth. He said, uh, her uncle in Esther 4, verse 12 to 4, he said, you know, who knows? Maybe been called for such a time as this, right? So she was going, in a way, back to her future. In other words, her people were the people that were carrying God. They were the ones, if you wanted to know God at that time, his address was in Israel, right? And yet at that time, they were being exiled. They were being put aside. How do you know that in our time, uh, the enemy would do nothing like nothing more than to marginalize the people of God? And that's why we've had to take some steps and step up in different ways that we haven't been comfortable with, uh, ways that we never thought we'd be involved. Because we're in this rare place called for such a time as this, just like Esther was, right? And so we have to realize, even from the scriptures, they give us the answers for what we need for today. And so what Esther did was she basically, in faith, uh, presented herself before the king. In a way, I think the same thing is happening. It's really quite amazing right now. Um, I think that even now, looking at you, Sean, um, in a way, and also with regard to the time we live in, we're having to step in front of the king. We're having a time where it's time for the church to rise up, and not only in prayer, but in practical ways. And we have to make our voice heard now in this time. And uh, 
So in a way, we have to go back to our roots as a nation, to our future as a nation. How many of you know that it wasn't too clean, clear, and easy for our ancestors? We can even talk about their stories, you know, and review them in little picture books and ben, Benjamin Franklin and, you know, and Paul Revere and everything. But those guys risked their life for what we have today and the way we have to go back there to remember who we are, right? And we've been doing that. The entire body of Christ is doing that, right? And so even before these people get exiled, and then it worked out over a 70-year period, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Could I just speak that over some of you today? Um, there's been lots of turmoil, lots of things have happened, and uh, one of the things that I'm really sensitive to is we have a rather extensive business community here. By extensive, we have some people that have done really, really well in business. Our whole area is like that. And uh, But have you know that our time hasn't been easy on business and jobs and that sort of thing, right? And uh, I remember the last time we got into a time like this was during the recession. And uh, what a uh, tumultuous time that was. We have these three buildings, and we lost the main tenant in that building. We lost the main tenant. That's like, you know, 50,000 square feet paying rent every month. Gone. With no anticipation of another person. (laughs) Right in the middle of the recession, right? But it's amazing what happened because in the process of that, we discovered something in that mess. We discovered a bigger identity. We couldn't find a tenant. There was just no way to find a tenant. They weren't anywhere going to be found. And so I thought, well, I've always wanted to feed people. So I just set up a table in a 50,000-square-foot warehouse and put some food on it and invited anybody who wanted to come in to come in, (laughs) right? And to my utter shock, people were lined out the door to get the food, even people, even business people, that I thought surely they were doing good, but they were even in restaurants and places and people that I knew, owners and stuff, right? And uh, it was just a, a shocking thing, and as time Uh, went on, what the Lord began to do is develop something different, do a new thing, right? I never would have done it. I was forced to do it, right? I didn't know what else to do. I'd always wanted to feed people, but I thought, no way. And I kept the words of Mother Teresa ringing in my ear, look, see, and do something about it. And even while she's telling me that one day, I've told you so many times, I'm kind of laughing. I actually did laugh in in her face accidentally, because I'm thinking... I'm looking at the lepers and the dying people everywhere, and you know, you know, literal people with their hands gnawed off and horrible, the scum of culture. I'm looking at them, you know, and I'm thinking where I live. And I'm, she says, "Look and see and do something about it." I'm thinking, "Oh yeah." She says, "Why'd you laugh?" She caught it. Unfortunately, I was embarrassed. I said, "You don't know where I live." And she says, "Where do you live?" I said, "Orange County, California." And she stuck her finger in my face and said, "You are so wrong." Like that, I got rebuked. It was terrible. I still thought I was right, though. <laughs> she said. Then she said this, I've been to Orange County, California. He said, look, see, and do something about it. So what came out of that whole thing was what we now know as the warehouse, which is healing people and feeding people and causing all kinds of provision. And uh, one of the biggest things we've gotten into lately is just housing. Many, many people. We figured out a way to do it, use our resources and combine that with various organizations. 
And I want to pause for a moment because one of the people that was most uh, involved with this lately has been Janice Lamatina. And uh, God raised her up and uh, also a couple of other people that are just new on board uh, here with us. And um, But uh, she got in an accident a couple of days ago. And I want to just take a moment to pray for her, okay? She's in Boston area and uh, she got in a horrible accident and she had surgery yesterday for her legs and knees and and also her daughter was hurt as well. So she probably is watching this right now. But she's been one of these people that God's raised up for such a time as this, right? For Just like Esther, for such a time as this. So Lord, we just pray for Janice right now and her daughter. And I'm sure she'll probably be looking in on this. I just pray for you, Janice. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over you. Get you home quick. And because uh, I don't know what to do, actually. I got a lot of things. <laughs> That's the selfish part. The good part is be healthy and whole. <laughs> in Jesus' name, we need you bad. <laughs> God bless you. Lord, I just pray your healing would just come right in that hospital room right now. And for her daughter. And I pray what would happen would be something better. Not less but more, in Jesus' name, for her, for your entire family. What looks like evil now, Lord, I pray for Janice that you would just cause all things to work together for her good. Amen. Isn't it nice that you can pray that prayer? God causes all things to work together for our good. You can see that in Romans 8:28 on point B there. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. You know what that means? You can always trust God for a great future. We're not like the rest of the world. If you know Jesus, you can always trust God for a great future. You can always go back to a future and a hope. You can rest on that even before it comes. Some of you are doing that right now. You're resting on a hope. You remember things that God's done for you before, but once again you find yourself in the lurch. You find yourself in a place of vulnerability, right? Aren't you glad for that scripture? I've worn that passage out. How about you guys? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I believe I have worn that passage out for my own life, for the church, for everything we're doing, right? And how many know there's a few things going on right now, right? Well, if you look at Roman numeral 2 on your outline, it says God can even move the sun and the stars in response to our God-given destiny. He's more interested, it turns out, in your destiny than you are. He bought you with this heavenly price called the blood of Jesus. That's not where it ended. That's where it just begins, right? Now he wants a return on his investment, and he watches over it jealously for all of his people. The story of King Hezekiah is for everyone who thinks their story is finished and that God can no longer fulfill his good plans for them. Let's read this story from Second Kings chapter 20, and uh, verses 1 to 11. In those days, Hezekiah, as a king of Israel, became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. How would you like to get a prophetic word like that? Please, uh, for all of us here that are just learning how to do prophecy stuff, please don't go that way. Would you just uh, check that out with a few people before you start prophesying something like that? But, you know, and uh, I think we know better our prophetic etiquette about that. But, you know, this is a big thing to say. I mean, like, hey, I got some news. You're going to die. Whoa. So Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Now, here's the thing with the prophet Isaiah. He never missed. If he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Unless God does something different and changes his mind, then he'd tell him that, right? 
So this was like a death sentence. But look what Hezekiah does. I mean, you have to understand the level we're talking about here. We're talking about a person whose words never drop to the ground. If he said it's going to happen, and Hezekiah knew this full well. He knew this full well better than anybody, right? But look what he does. And here's the strangest thing. Because he knows this guy, this, this, this prophet never misses. He knows it's always everything he said. They just got through with, with um, this incredible Assyria campaign where Sennacherib was shrouding the city. And Isaiah said, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. And all these dead people end up the next day out there and they go home. <laughs> right? So that's the kind of word. So this guy says, you're going to die. Whoa. I would be freaking out if I were him. And he was, except he had enough presence of mind, some sort of sense of God. And this is the kind of awareness that we need to have in these days. No matter how bad the news is, the good news is always bigger than the bad news. Could I just say, oh, that was good, Mike. That was very good. I don't think I even wrote that down. The good news is always bigger and better than the bad news. Right? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. I mean, I don't even know if I would have even bothered, you know. It's going to happen, you know. You're around this prophet and he's, you're surrounded by thousands and thousands of soldiers about to get annihilated and the guy walks up to him and says, don't worry about it. You're going to win. <laughs> and then they end up dead, all these soldiers out there, and they, the rest of them go home, right? So this is the guy that's telling him he's going to die. But look what he does. This is really important. Maybe, maybe some of you here feel that way. You feel you're going to die. You know, just this circumstance is so bad. You know, you, you, you feel like your hopes just completely evaporated. But prayer, oh, how powerful the access is, especially on this side of the resurrection. Jesus purchased this access for you by his very blood. And yet you have a hard time praying. Oh my. Just on that basis, you can stand on all kinds of things, no matter how bad it looks, and cry out to God for mercy. If God's anything, he's merciful. And if you have any way to stand and cry out for mercy, it's because of what he did, not because of what you've done, right? And that humble, reduced place, if you find yourself in that place today, you can call on God like Hezekiah did. He turns his face to the wall and he prays to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have faithfully, I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came back to him. <laughs> I really like this story a lot. I mean, I like it. I mean, there's so much in this, right? So, I mean, it's one thing to somebody that you don't like or a negative person says something bad to you, but then when someone says something to you that is credible or you hear from God something that you think is real and then to cry out to God anyway and for the Lord to turn, it's just the most amazing thing. It tells you something about the character of God. It also tells you something about change, the possibilities. If you read this story and other stories like it, in the life of Jesus, there's always a possibility. God is so merciful. Whoever calls, and he loves prayer so much, when you call to him, to your Father in prayer, you're not just saying, Father, 
daddy. You're saying, our father. You're, I mean, you're saying just to, to a power up there, you're saying, our father, my dad, right? Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people. This is what the Lord God of your father says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. <laughs> I changed my mind. Does God actually make himself so vulnerable to us that he could actually change his mind? The incredible good news is yes. And I've seen it happen in my own life. Thank God. His mercy is so great. And his relational component with us is so real. We have room. It's called praying to work with God. This is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Now, that little phrase there, I will defend the city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David, one of his favorite people. It's amazing how God remembers his favorite people. But for the sake of my own name, my name's on you. I'm going to deliver you because my name is on you. It's not just about you. My name's on you. You're called a Christian. Christian, my name's on you. I'm going to do this because I want you to shine. I want people to know, right? So it's not just entirely about us, this thing we're talking about. Prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and what will and that I will go up uh, to the temple and the Lord on the third day from now. Isaiah answered, This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go, shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go back ten steps? It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps. He said, Rather have it go back ten steps. And the prophet Isaiah called the Lord and the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps it had done down on the stairway of Ahaz. God is so gracious. He said, God, I'm... I'm struggling in my faith here. I, I need a little helper here. Could you please help me, right? And he does that with us. He even goes that far. He helps us. He knows your weakness. Even when you're weak, at your weakest place, he helps you with little things to encourage your faith. He, he still speaks. He's not just like, you know, just anybody. He's your dad in heaven. One of my favorite meetings in our whole church is our business prayer meeting. It started just before the recession in the 07, 08 time. And um, so we've been doing it ever since. And we do it uh, on the Zoom call now. And uh, for years and years we met. But we saw some of the most amazing thing happen. Because during that time of recession, people were losing their businesses. They were losing fortunes. All kinds of crazy stuff was happening. And uh, I'll never forget those years. And even now we learned from that point to this now that to pray for each other. So we've kept that ever since those years. And we just saw people move back and get God repair things and do things just with prayer. There was nothing left but prayer. No other remedy. We saw God rule in court cases, all kinds of things. God restore fortunes, restore businesses, restore things. Matter of fact, I had a friend, a close friend, and he was one of my wonderful subject cases because before the recession, we were always, we'd always go into this room and he had this huge wall, and on this wall he had a graph of his business, right? And it was just going like that, right? Right? And it was way up there. I won't tell you how many millions of dollars, but it was way up there, right? And then the recession hit, and that place on the wall went like that. And he about lost everything. 
And he was in that prayer room with us every Wednesday morning for several years during that time. And then as he prayed, I'm just, just praying and just trying to stay in business, trying to laugh, you know, we are praying for him, and not only him, but a whole bunch of other businesses. And all of those businesses at that time, they began to go, miraculously, intervention, intervention, intervention in courtrooms, intervention in cases, interventions in leases, interventions in sudden uh, changes. He actually began to expand and grow, and the God began to deal with him. And, and that prayer meeting is one of my favorite places because it, I love praying for business because you can measure it so easily. You either make the money or you don't. You either get hired or you don't. You either get fired or you don't, especially as you're plotting it, right? And so there's this powerful scripture that was proven during that time, and we still rely on today and especially in this time. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8:28. You can always trust God for a great future. And this is exactly what Hezekiah did, right? Now, to answer this prayer, God had to rearrange some things, right? And uh, this wonderful story of of, uh, Hezekiah, right? He had to rearrange some things. And so, in this story, look at this. Prepare a poultice of figs, he says. They did so and apply it to the boil, and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and I'll go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you, that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps, or shall it go back ten steps? This is a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps. I mean, Hezekiah is playing this out to the hilt. He's well now, but you would think, you know, because he's traumatized. He just being, needs to be carried like a little baby. He needs he needs as much evidence as he possibly can. Does God still do that today? Yes. We call these wisdom paths, prayer paths. You just have to walk. You can't just throw something up, you know, and then hope that it hits. You walk it out. And it takes a turn this way, and it takes a turn that way, right? Right? So here he is. He's saying, can you confirm this? You know, da 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 you know. All right, and... Uh, and uh, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me, right? i got this boil on me. He says, it's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps, said Hezekiah. Now, I don't know why that's such a... I mean, I was thinking about it the other day, and I've been for years I thought, yeah, okay, I understand why he said it, because the normal progression was the shadow would come down because the sun's setting and stuff. But still, the shadow, like, the, the thing went down immediately. So how, how does that happen? But he wanted him to go the other way. So then the prophet... So he says, a simple matter, it wasn't a simple matter, I don't think, for the shadow to go forward ten steps, rather have it go back ten steps. And the prophet Isaiah called the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps. It had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the shadow went up. Now, if you think about that for a moment, the title of this sermon is Back to Your Future, right? How in the world does that happen? It goes back ten steps, right? To corroborate this mirror. How does it go back? I mean, what are the, like, that's an amazing thing. I mean, nature has to change. Something has to change. I mean, I don't even know. Sometimes in some end time guys that I know, like even calculating their calculations about when Jesus is coming back. Now, to go back 10 steps, it probably took this much off the clock. So <laughs> I don't know. It's a little much, but I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But it's interesting, isn't it, right? So God can even move the sun and stars in response to our God-given destiny. Isn't that amazing? for this guy. I don't care who he is. He's a human being. So one human being that had that happen to him. I'm a human being. So, like, wow, good job. <laughs> but could it be 
that no matter what's happened to us, no matter what loss we've had, no matter where we're at, that God could take us back to our future. Take us to even a better future than we had before. And just maybe what we're going through is meant for more, not less. If God can move the sun and the stars, somehow move nature around for God-given destiny, he can do it. And he can do it for Hezekiah. He can do it for us. If you look at Roman numeral 2, this story is for everyone who thinks their story is finished. It's not. Maybe you thought that God couldn't fulfill his good plans for you. But I am telling you, God's plans right now are more creative than ever. They are creative. That's another thing that's been happening to us. We've been in a creative place. I know this because I'm praying for all you business people. Very creative things. You've done things you never would have done. You've made changes you never would have done. And it's all for the good. Not all of it yet, maybe, but I've noticed this. So we've been making, so God hasn't left us. He just changed us. And always, could I just get you to think this way? And I just, this is what I'm doing for our church. Better. More, not less. Change is not necessarily bad. It can be very, very good, right? And I think that's the time we're in. Our part is just simply to pray, to ask God. Hezekiah's prayer changed God's mind, rearranged the laws of time and nature to communicate his future. And this, in the fulfillment of his destiny, Hezekiah had a dramatic role, and so do we. And I believe now we're in a time of destiny. We're in a time of destiny right now. We started this school. I mean, solely, I never would have gone to a school again. That was the last thing from my mind. But I'm looking at what's going on. I said, I have to start a school. So in just a few months, that thing was started and started rolling and began to come together at a speed I never could have imagined. And now here it is. And it's developing and growing. And we're moving into high school. And I don't even know where it goes from there. I'm even too, tar- too scared to talk about it publicly. <laughs> Let's just say that there may be a university in our, our future. So I'm going to say any more than that. It scares me even to think about it. But we actually have space. Even fourth building space, for you that know what that is. We have three buildings we own, but there's a fourth building. And for this particular case, educational use, it's opening for us. Something I haven't been able to do for years, it's opening by itself. It's like the door swinging open, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. God, I'm very interested in educating our children. I want them to do well, but I'm not sure I'm that interested. I've got a lot of few things to do here. That warehouse over there and some other business stuff and all the other stuff, you know, and I just keep getting going deeper and deeper. And, yeah, oh, oh, well, you guys know as well as I do. Here's the issue. Our schools have become corrupt at the highest level. What are we going to do? We're just going to sit and whine and cry about it and wring our hands, or are we going to actually do something about it? And if God gives you something to do something about it, Yeah, so I like, it's easier said than done, right? (laughs) Anyway, uh, even when I think about it, I get a little intimidated, but I shouldn't because I just saw God move the sun and the stars and this thing in response to this guy's prayer, right? So it's very easy for me to say way back then 
Except that I have a little history now with stuff like this, right? Years ago, we had this thing, and it's still alive, still going, um, a brother named Sapal. Some of you know him. And so um, Sapal got caught up in the revolution that happened and uh, was jailed and in jail and about to die. And a lot of you know the story. Uh, Sapal, he was a part of our ministry. He was a part of uh, something that we were have a long history with. And the way he got out was he just began worshiping in the jail, and one thing led to another, and eventually he got out. And uh, most of you know that story, so I won't review it here. But then when he got out, he got into a prison camp in Thailand, and then he ended up here in the United States. And then the time came uh, for us to actually see if we could go back, because Cambodia opened up again. But the problem was it was full of dictators and mean people that had left over from the Holocaust, right? But it was open. So the first moment it opened, we went back there. Me and a couple of friends of ours, like, and we lost all our luggage. It was ridiculous. We lost all our luggage. So I went in there, and I had, like, peanut butter and jelly stains on my white T-shirt and jeans. It was ridiculous. And we were waiting for our luggage. And then then I casually mentioned to this guy next to me, uh, who I didn't know was a tour guy, and I didn't know he had connections with the government, and he says, well, what do you guys want to do while you're here? And we were actually there to get Cambodia started again, even though the Khmer Rouge were still there and it was very difficult, but we were, had found an opening. And uh, I said, well, we, we want to... I just, I just I thought, oh, I have nothing to lose. I want to plant churches and bring Jesus to this country and feed the poor and the weak. And he says, and, he says, uh, and, could, I, and then I said, can you get me a meeting with the prime minister? <laughs> And I was joking. Everybody else is like laughing, you know, my guy's laughing, oh, we'll never see him. He said, you want to see the prime minister? And I said, yeah. And I'm laughing still, you know, I'm thinking, you know. And he said, well, I can arrange that. And I said, well, I'm... before I said I was just joking, I stopped for a minute. I said, what'd you say? He says, I could, I could arrange that. So he arranged it. And it was the funniest thing you've ever seen because here I am standing in front of the president of the country with my friends, and we have we look like Frodo. I mean, we walk in there and we're looking around, TV cameras everywhere. I got my shirt with the peanut butter and jelly on it. We look terrible, you know. We haven't taken a shower in three days, right? We walk in there and here they are, and it was I, I didn't even believe it was real to the moment I walked in that office, and I saw the cameras, and then I'm going, oh my. Gosh, this is embarrassing. Okay. And the first thing out of that dictator's mouth was he said, he said, well, what do you want me to do? I mean, what do you, why are you here? And I said, well, I want to start a bunch of churches and feed the poor. And he said, really? And then I said, yeah, and I don't have a building. Do you know where I can find a building to do it like that? And then I thought, oh, my gosh, what did I just say? I was... Supposed to be have my cards close, you know, and be careful with what I'm doing. I'm telling the prime minister I want to come in there and bring Christianity to a nation that's rejected a lot, and and then tell him, you know, that we want to do all this stuff. And he looked at me, and he said, "Well, could you build me a school?" I said, "Oh, sure, we can build you a school." <laughs> I had no idea how, was going to, how much it's going to cost. Me. I just said it, and I thought, "Oh my God, I'm out of my mind. What am I doing?" And then this assurance came to me, and I just calmed down for a minute, and then I wondered, and he says, hmm, okay. And he says, you know, I, I think I might have a building for you. 
And I said, really? He said, yeah, uh, my friends will show you. Well, I didn't know. It was a five-story building with 40,000, 50,000 square feet. I don't know how many square feet it was. Well, we just wanted a little room. I didn't want a gigantic building, but that was the only one available. So I signed my name to a 15-year lease that we were going to lease this building and then cried all the way home. What did I do? What did I do? I think I was thinking, I must have been, I must have ate something. They may, they may they put some hallucinogenic, something. I must have done something. What am I thinking? I'm usually so careful. What am I doing? You know, and I cried all the way home. And the you know, thing is, we ended up there and ended up building his school for him and all kinds of things. And the rest is history. Now there's a whole movement of churches in, in Cambodia, right? And so here we are. And everything around here has been built the same way. Right? It's been built the same way. And uh, with the same kind of faith. Can God really cause all things to work together for our good? Look at Roman number three. Consider how God returned Peter back to his future even after denying the Lord three times. <laughs> even when you mess up that bad. Some of you think, maybe I'm just too sinful. I've just messed up too bad. Maybe you're just coming back to church and you think, well, there's all these high holy people around here, you know, you don't know my past. I don't know how in the world I'm ever going to get out of this thing. I'm so involved with drugs. I'm so involved with this, whatever. You don't know. I, I'm a mess. I just washed up. I don't even know why I'm here. There are people that are watching this right now. They're saying that, and there are people out here in the audience that are saying that very thing right now. So consider this. Peter, God's main man, denies the Lord three times. Pressure got hot, and he said, no way, I'm, I, don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. After Jesus resurrected from the dead, he brought Peter back to the great future he always had in mind for him by letting Peter declare his love for Jesus three times. This is in John chapter 21. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. He says it three times. That's obvious what he's doing. And that's the end of it. He restored him completely, right? Wow, maybe you're in that sort of place. I'm just to this. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm telling you. Frodo was maybe one of the greatest pictures of our life. Right? That movie that came out is made for where we're at right now. But notice in that movie, The Return of the King, right, which is very interesting. If we're going to escort the return of the king to the United States or to the world, the body of Christ is going to have to learn to take some risk. They're going to have to learn to step out in faith. It will not be done in any, any way. So we say we need our education back. Somebody's going to have to pay the price, put the risk out there. And how far would that go? Well, i got a feeling it goes all the way through college. We have to get a hold of these institutions again. We have to give them the information. We need to produce the best engineers, the best doctors, the best architects in the planet, the best business people with high integrity that will move in the marketplace. God can do it with you. God can cause you, you can't find a job, then start your own business. This is the time. This is the season we're in. Back to your future. This is the time we find ourselves in. God always brings us back to these good plans for us. I, I, I love John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Sometimes I think that the thief has come, but we didn't get the breast of it. 
I came that you might have life and have abundance. How could abundance be in this? I've lost my job. I've lost my home. I've da -da -da -da, I don't even know where I'm going to move. How could it be? That's the question of the hour. It'll be answered by people of faith. It'll be answered just like it was through all of our ancestors, through all the scriptures. King David suffered for his sin. Maybe some of us are suffering from failures and things. But look at Roman numeral 4 in your outline. But David never lost sight of God's goodness and destiny for him, even when he failed badly. I'm so happy that God's the God of taking people like you and me, failures, messed up people, people that were supposed to do this and that and stand up and we withered. We're carrying the guilt of it. We got a divorce or maybe there was something else that happened to us. You know, it doesn't matter. God has this ability to forgive, dust us off, and make us even better. Don't be better. Just get better. And we see a long line of, can you imagine Jesus reappears? And this Peter denied him three times. And he takes him through this whole healing thing. He does it on purpose. Hey, you love me? Yes, I, I do. Simon, you love me? Yes, I do. Simon, do you love me? Yes, I do. And at that moment, a gavel came down, washed clean, done, the past. Now, Peter, let's get about the business of the kingdom. Some of you in this room need to do that. Now, let's get about the business of the kingdom. Confess, say, I did it, I messed up, da-da-da, da-da, but let's move on. Tell you what, the Mercy Warehouse has become that, a Mercy Warehouse. It's full of people who wash up on our shore. Nobody knows what to do with and we just feed them, and we take care of them, we house them. You know what? We didn't know how. To, we still don't know how to do this, but we're learning. So we decided, God, okay, we're going to learn. And so, first of all, we just had to learn to be a business. But second of all, learn now. How do you help the homeless? Ah, the sixty-four thousand dollar question. I think we found most of the answer. Not all of it, but we're getting there. You know how I know? Because we're housing all these people from the proceeds of the warehouse and also just with the wisdom of God and then interfacing with agencies and organizations. Turns out, at least for now, that even government agencies can be your friend with regard to this. They're shelling out millions and millions of dollars all over the place. It's all being wasted. Not all of it, but a lot of it. So what about us? Couldn't it come toward us and we won't waste it? We will use it. So it turns out that actually that's very, very possible. And that's what we're working on right now. And all the things that were built before this recession, before, but before all the trouble and all the things that have happened, are now coming into a place big time, right? All right, I'm going to try to draw this to a close. King David suffered for his sin. Notice these guys, sin. I mean, he messed up bad, big time. He sinned. He, he caused a guy to be murdered. He took his wife. Wow. But God, David never lost sight of God's goodness and destiny for him, even when he failed badly. He was confident God could take him back to his future and his destiny. And we read all about it in Psalm 51. This amazing psalm expressed his heart so much. It's the heart of God we have to understand, and we relate to him from our heart. We have to understand what God does, how he works. He knew, even though he messed up so bad. Look what he says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. 
blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Now I guess to the good part. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressions your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed of God. You who are my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. I can't buy my way out of this situation. I can't hold my mouth right. I am absolutely and totally guilty and dependent on your grace. Anybody else in that place? Here's what I got left, God. All that's left to me is verse 17. I just got a broken spirit, a contrite heart. That's all I got to offer. But you won't despise that. You can build with that. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you'll delight in the sacrifice of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bills will be offered on your altar. Even with that outward experience of don't, you know, the animals covering the sin and everything, he knew that the issue was in his heart, right? He was confident that God could take him back to his future and his destiny. That's what he had going for him. And how about us? Even when armies besieged him, David was confident in his future. You can read about it in Psalm 27. The Lord's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Can I just say that over you? The Lord is the stronghold of your life. Of whom should you be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. This is the attitude the body of Christ needs to have in this time. I don't mean to be arrogant. I don't mean that we should be unduly arrogant. There is a blind there, but there is something on the inside of experiencing the mercy of God. Even though this is happening, there's another story here, always for believers, because God works together all things for their good. And even when we sinned and messed up, and you know, here's David. He says, you know what, I've come to this conclusion. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Sometimes I wonder if the greatest thing the body of Christ has to fear in these times is fear itself. He had literally army besieging him <laughs> more than once. My heart will not fear. If a war break against me, then even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to just take care of God's stuff to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. You're so beautiful, Lord. I just want to seek you in your temple. For in the day of trouble, you will keep me safe at your dwelling. You will hide me in the shelter of your sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted. You know what that means? Then God begins to make headway with your life. He begins to promote you, move you forward, make you visible above the enemies who surround me. That right there is going to happen. Right there. That's in process not for the faint of heart. That's why every institution, everything in our government, everything about life has to be invaded now. And it's full of enemies. And my head will be exalted above the enemies, the people in those places who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. 
Hear my voice when I call. Be merciful to me and answer me. My my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is from a sinner. He caused a guy to die and swiped his wife. But he didn't let it get pinned on him. He said, God, I repent. And then he stepped into it. Sometimes our sin, our weakness is always before us. I'm not holy enough. Yes, God agrees with you. You are not holy enough. Definitely. Now we've settled down. What are we going to do now? That's where the body of Christ is. What are we going to do now? I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So now what happens is we're stuck with this thing of the prosperity, the grace that God's offering us in this time of failure and time of weakness, right? David suffered for his sin, but he never lost sight of God's goodness and destiny for him, even when he failed badly. He was confident God could take him back to his future and his destiny. Even when armies besieged him, David was confident in his future. Notice David cries out for help in his amazing declaration of faith that he should see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living, even in times of great distress. There's a great future for all of us who don't give up, but keep coming back in faith to inherit God-given promises. I want to just read these last verses and we'll stop here. Ah, I tell you, your Bible should be so comforting to you. If you read it right, you see all these stories. You see guys messed up like we are, people having to take risks, people in great danger, people that are in position for such a time as this in their own generation. And that's where we find ourselves more now than ever before, more now maybe than the history of a lot of years of our country. Maybe going back to very strategic times, World War II, or even back into the revolution where, you know, where it all began with our country, where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in this uncomfortable position. It doesn't seem to be getting better. It doesn't seem to be getting like, well, that was just a blip, you know, da-da-da, new political parties coming. We're in a different stage. I don't understand exactly where we're at, but this is not, we haven't been this way, Toto. <laughs> we just haven't. It's going to require a different faith and a different response. And all of it's right here, inside of us. Let me just read these last verses. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who, call, who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Oh. Do you really believe that? That's your inheritance there. But to activate it, you've got to believe it, then you've got to walk it out. You can't say, yeah, okay, I think I believe that one. No. You, right now in this time, we're being challenged. You have to actually walk that out now. That's maybe the difference between now and what was even a few years ago. Now we have to walk this out. What are we going to do about the education of our kids? What are we going to do about our business? What are we going to do about the elections? What are we going to do about what, what kind of voice do we have? Where are we going to evade? What, what are we going to do, right? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's one thing that's going to happen. You're going to look a lot more like Jesus before this is over with. I don't know if I've prayed so much it's during this time. How about you guys? <laughs> I thought I was praying a lot these days. Wow. I find myself... Front, because... It's crazy. It's 
shaky and I'm being called to these crazy places and not just because of defense but offense. What do you want me to do? Where does the school lead? How far do I take this warehouse? Where does it go? What nations do we go now? What do we do? You know, all these subjects, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. That's one thing for sure. We're going to look a lot more, more, more like Jesus in this time. That He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? Ah, here's the good part. The, press, the other part was good too, but this is the really good part. If God is for us, who can be against us? So if that's true, then we have to act, walk, think, pray like it. Right? Not with religious facades that really has terror in it. I'm talking about the real calm, forceful stepping into God's plans for us individually and corporately. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He can give us a college. He can give us a high school. He can give us a business. He can give us a new city, a new town, a new government. He can give it all. And golly, at the end of it, graciously in the process. For good things, you don't have to twist God's arm. He's already five steps ahead of you. Sean, may God graciously give you all things. God knows you've suffered enough. May God graciously give you all things. At the highest levels of government in our land, the highest place, your desire to be a judge, may God open that door for you wide. In Jesus' name. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. It's not only your prayers, but God's interceding for us. Jesus Christ is interceding for you right now in your life. And I mean right down to the particulars of your life. Where do I work? What are my kids going to do? My health, everything. And as well as the cosmic things of the nation. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And as written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No! Even though you might feel like that. And all these things. Here's the right attitude. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I... Whoop, I'm just about to raise my finger. Here we go. Oh, now I'm, I'm, I missed my crescendo, man. I was... Phew. Darn. Verse 38. I hate it when I do that. Because this is the best part, right? Matter of fact. Okay, just stand for this one. Just stand. This is like that. I was going to say, this is like the end of the fireworks show. But they had a laser dealio in Laguna Niguel. What the heck's wrong with... July 4th, I'm waiting for this explosion of crazy stuff going on. You know, and, all that, and, and I got a, like a little skinny light. Somebody needs to tell our city government, I got I to gotta talk to them. So, uh, what does eight, the number, mean? What is that a symbol of? What's that noise? Is that rain? Oh. <laughs> Sounds like it's raining. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Yeah. Who need rain? Okay. I wish Chris Sindoy now. Here I am. All right. No. <laughs> and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Back to your future. So we always have a time when we respond to this, and you've been responding great. So, But, oh... When we gather together like this, we're two or three gathered, there he is in their midst, right? And we were talking all about prayer and other things, right? And the way we can appeal to heaven. And I know some of you just may want to spend some time here just appealing in response to these words, right? Okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to make some space over here for you that would just like to take a time while we're doing worship. Meanwhile, if I could have all the people that are going to be baptized come up over here. And uh, we're going to baptize some folks here, I, I think four or five. One of them is my granddaughter, so cheer extra loud for her. I'm just kidding. So, uh, but I don't want to miss what I set you up for here. Because I think some of you have been in a very difficult, dark place. And maybe, just maybe as I was speaking, you just got a little light in your soul. That God's on your side. That there are things he'll take care of for you that he'll fight for you and that we together as the church have something to say about our issues and our problems from the jobs that we have to the education that we do to the way we relate to our culture right I just felt like as I was speaking that there's some people that just would like to just come up and seal some things before the Lord in prayer and just ask God boldly before the throne of grace You know, sometimes we come to that place where we just need to let it go and let God, right? And I think that's a moment for some of you, right? And we have some ministry team people, meaning that's people that pray for other people. So if I could have you that maybe in our ministry team be sensitive to the people that are coming up. You could come up now if you like. And if you just like prayer for a specific issue, maybe it's your job, like we mentioned, or maybe it's a decision you're trying to make about moving. There's lots of decisions like that. Or maybe you need healed in your body. Whatever it is, if that's you, just come to the front right now. Just come here, and we'll we'll pray for you, right? Don't mind us over the corner. We're also going to do some baptism and stuff here. So just come, wherever you are. Lord, I pray as people come, that from this great house of prayer, you would hear our prayers as we minister. I know there's a lot of people that have been praying all through the service for their own life and everything. But here we are in a real specific way. So I pray, God, anybody that needs prayer, you just have them come. Don't worry, these people won't bite. They're going through all the same things you are, and they'll be glad to pray for you, whatever the need is, all right? All right. So if I could have our candidates for baptism come on up. Um, I'm sure they're making their way up. and We're going to baptize them in this jacuzzi. Best baptisms in town. Lord, as we're waiting on that, I pray, God, for all that are coming forward and will come forward, maybe in your seats. May the Lord answer your prayers. May God deliver you from evil. May God do something for you out of this prayer time that plays out during the week. You can just be praying this way from your own seat, like, Lord, I turn this uh, whole church into a big prayer meeting. For those that are considering moving, I pray God would give you undeniable guidance 
For those of you that are worried about your job, I pray God, if you're out of work now, God would bring a better job for you. For those of you that need raises with your pay, may the Lord bring a raise to pay for that higher house payment. For those of you that are considering buy a house, may God open the gates of heaven for you, even during this recession time. For those of you that are sick in your body, may the Lord heal you right now. Deliver you. So there's some more people just sort of standing around the edge. And if you could come and help us with you that are on our team, that'd be great. All right. If you'd like to stay also while we're doing that, we're going to have our baptism. So 